The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Today, expert knowledge is so highly valued that we learn to lead first as the expert whose mastery of the details helps teams solve problems. Eventually, as your leadership role expands, expert leaders find themselves in a role where others know more. Details are no longer so accessible, and decisions are made without a full understanding. Welcome to Out of the Comfort Zone with Dr. Wanda Wallace. It's time to find out how to make the transformation smooth and flawless. Now, here is Dr. Wanda Wallace. Welcome to the show. We're glad you're with us. Today, we're going to be talking about energy. Now, have you ever noticed that the graded leaders, the ones that we really admire, one of their qualities is they just seem to keep their level of energy up. In fact, the research has backed this this up from decades ago that people who are good leaders tend to have high levels of stamina. So it seems that regardless how tough the going gets, truly admired leaders just seem to be able to keep their energy up and in doing that, keep everybody else going. So what is it that they do that the rest of us don't do? And to answer that question, we're going to take a look at the sources of energy, the place things that give us energy, what the research says about that, as well as the sources that drain energy and what you can do about it. So with me today is Susan Treadgold. Susan is a London-based holistic executive coach, founder of Treadgold Executive Development. She's passionate about creating sustainable peak performance, and she does that by helping people increase their energy, keep up their executive presence, and drive productivity. She does a lot of one-to-one coaching. She runs a program called Best Year Ever. What a great title. She does talks. She does de-stress workshops. She works for companies like Barclays Bank, Jefferies, J.P. Morgan, Deutsche Bank, and others. And if that isn't enough, she's spent nearly two decades as a senior institutional equity um, in a role in investment banks like Morgan Stanley, Merrill Lynch, and Citigroup. So, Susan, welcome to the show. Thank you, Wanda. Okay, energy, I can't wait. Something we all need more of. So, tell me about energy sources. You say that there are three major ones. Tell us what are those and why do they matter? Well, there are actually six major ones in my view, and and they all matter, and some matter more for other people. And that's where energy awareness is so important, knowing your preferred way of topping up energy and being really clear uh, about what actions you need to take when you are feeling completely zapped. Um, a, a formula that I really like, uh, which Tim Galway uh, has written about, is performance equals potential, interfer- potential minus interference. And I could almost rewrite that to say performance equals total energy minus interference. So it's finding out where your interference is. And the six areas, the main, the six main areas would be input energy. That's the things that you input into your body, the, the air, food, water, sleep, and supplements, and the quality that you, of those things that you get. The 
move energy is the shapes that you give your body, including exercise, smiles, confident body language. Mind energy is the energy you get from the thoughts you think, the images you visualize, and how you, um, how you organize yourself. Um, connection energy, this is a big one. Um, how you interact and relate with other people. Pause energy is the energy you get when you get still and connect with your source of spirituality or you do meditation, moments of wonder with the arts and nature. And the final, uh, the final area is space energy, and that's the environments you choose to surround yourself with. And that can be the smells, the sounds, the things you're actually wearing, um, the what your desk looks like, what your closets look like. <laughs> so those are the those are the those are the those are the six ones. The things I think the three major ones that I think impact us at work are connection, input, and mind. Maybe followed closely with move. Okay. All right. So you hinted at this, but do some of these six sources matter more for some people than for others? Yes. Uh, absolutely. Um, when I work with people, I, I form an energy engagement wheel, and I, I talk to them about, you know, on a scale of 1 to 10, what is your, what is your input energy look like? So I find that a lot of people I coach, they want to make changes, but they're so exhausted and burnt out, they can't make the changes that they want. And one area that I see a lot of is what I call input energy. They are surviving on lunches at their desk, four hours of sleep. Um, you know, they're not getting out into fresh air. They're dehydrated. Uh, sleep, research shows, is the number one thing uh, uh, impacting people's health. And three-quarters of adults out there do not get enough sleep. So I know that oh, this is a good one. Let's spend just a couple minutes on sleep because we all have way more to do than can be done in any 20 or four hour period. I know I have in my life tried to wean myself systematically off of eight hours sleep and try to get down to six. It doesn't work. I can guarantee it Don't doesn't do work. That. Don't do that. <laughs> but a lot of people try it. So kind of just hit the highlights of the research that's saying why this sleep thing is so important for us at the moment. Well, uh, research shows that getting less than six hours of sleep per night is the biggest predictor of on-the-job burnout. So it's really time to wake up and go to sleep. Um, the research shows that if we get good sleep, it improves our motor skills, our decision-making, our memory, our reaction times, our stress hormone level, our immune system. I mean, pretty much everything is better when you sleep. Um, you are the body is detoxifying itself. You're replenish the brain is replenishing itself with uh, oxygen. Um, there was a study reported by Project Energy in New York, um, and they had two a group of mice. Um, one group of mice were given no sleep for 21 days, and another were given um, no food. And at the end of the 21 days, you had one group of skinny mice and one group of dead mice. So, you know, aside from contributing to the Darwinian gene pool, um, you know, there are, there are so many other benefits to getting more sleep that I mentioned earlier. Um, uh, 
including um, the uh, including um, the relationships that you have with people. Right. We'll come back to that one in just a minute. Yeah. I just have to do a fun anecdote on this one on sleep. You know, you don't think you think that you're functioning when you've had a you know late night and you haven't had enough sleep or several of them in a row and you haven't had enough sleep. You think you're functioning just fine. But I play this um, sort of mind sharpening game that kind of helps you test your focus and your powers of concentration. And boy, can you tell the difference in reaction times and an error rate when your sleep is less than what it should be. So I agree with you that it has a bigger impact than we think it does. Have you ever seen a toddler that has missed their their midday nap? I mean, complete meltdown. And and I think if you um, can think back to some of the, you know, maybe biggest altercations you ever have, I I ever had, I, I bet you, you know, some element of lack of sleep was involved. Right. I, I'm sure that has a bigger impact than we ever give it credit for. All right. So let's move on. I want to talk about connection energy because I want to talk particularly about work context. And connection energy, as you said, is the ways in which we choose to interact and relate to people. Now, when I ask people about stress, I get all sorts of reactions, you know, like lack of sleep, I mean, all those sorts of things. But when I get people to tell me what's the one thing that really stresses you out the most, it's always another person. And they'll describe it as somebody who's quote unquote difficult. But really, it ends up with somebody who just is, doesn't interact the way you want to interact or do the things that you want them to do. And they chew up an incredible amount of energy. Now, is that what you mean by connection energy? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, How you interact and communicate with others. I mean, we've all heard of energy vampires. You know, the people that, you know, you're just in their presence and you feel like your, your life and soul are being sucked out of you. And, and, and I think, you know, all of us are some, sometimes unwittingly that to other people. Um, even looking at Myers-Briggs and the, the categories of introvert and extrovert, um, that's where people get their energy from in, in that classification. So introverts get their energy from going within and being on their own, and extroverts get their energy from interacting with the external environment and people in the world. And so, you know, something not even being difficult, but just demanding excess interaction of somebody um, can be draining them of energy. Um, there was a woman I used to sit next to, and she always used to send me emails. And I'm like, I'm right here. Why are you sending me emails? And as an extrovert, I, I found that, you know, that she was denying me interaction. And then, and then I would always, you know, look over to her and ask her what she thought about things. And that would drive her bananas. She, you know, I would look at her and think she was doing nothing, but she was thinking about things, which is what introverts like to do to energize. And I would keep interrupting her thought patterns. So, um, you know, to get the most out of her, I, I ended up sending emails to her. And my colleague on the left, I would go blah, 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 and, you know, chat things through. And if I wanted to ask her something, I would email her back, even though she was sitting two feet from me. So I have to, I mean, Myers-Briggs, so extrovert and introverts, and just to repeat, extroverts are people who get to their energy, who re-energize by talking. 
interacting with the world at large. And introverts are people who re-energize, get their energy from time to be able to pull inwards to think about their thoughts and processes. I too am an extrovert, Susan, and I have to tell you that learning to deal with an extrovert takes more energy than you can imagine. (laughs) Because the more I put out, the more I kind of go to them and try to get a reaction from them and get a response from them and get read their facial expressions and what are they thinking, the worse it gets. And so it's literally about training yourself that this person isn't just trying to frustrate you. They have a different way of processing. I'll give you a second one for me that is, for me, a big energy drain from people, and that is Myers-Briggs also on the NS scale. So N meaning big picture, intuitive, and S meaning detailed, in my view, in the weeds. You can tell which side of that scale I sit on. I'm a big intuitive person. Somebody who is trying to drag me into the micro details just gets on my nerve. I want to start at the big story. Then I can go down to the detail. But the other person wants to start at the detail, and then they'll get to the big picture. And it can just be frustrating. Absolutely. Um, What's your advice for dealing with people who are annoying for whatever the reason is that they're annoying? Oh, I have lots of advice. I'm, one of one of them comes from. It was a personal story. I um, uh, taking, for example, that introvert extrovert. Um, I used to have team meetings, and I was setting up lots of things and putting lots of new processes into place. And um, normally, I would ask all my team members for their um, input in advance, their agenda items, and you know, I would forward them to my. Um, PA, and she would type up the agenda, and I'd pick it up on the way to the meeting. So everyone would be seeing the agenda for the first time. And invariably what would happen is we would have to brainstorm some ideas, and, you know, that's a nightmare for introverts, and I didn't really understand that at the time. And so I would only have the same people contributing over and over again, and we would um, agree a course of action, half of the room remaining silent, because about half of the population is introverts, half are extroverts. And I'd get back to my desk, and either two hours or two days later, I'd get an email, the preferred form of communication of introverts, saying, I've been thinking I think we should do this and not that. And it would be a, a clearly superior idea. And, um, and, and, and so I would waste time, energy, and, you know, credibility undoing what I'd already done to implement this better idea. And I used to ask people, you know, well, why didn't you, why didn't you say that in the meeting? And they would say, I had to think about it. And so once I thought about it, I thought, well, what could I do to make this better? And so I started getting people's agenda items the night before and had it all typed up and distributed the night before. And the funny thing happened, it, it didn't just help the introverts think things through better. It also kept the extroverts from boring everybody by thinking aloud with their half-baked ideas. So I ended up, I was shocked the first time I, I, I had this, um, I had the team meeting with the agenda the night before. It was like having a completely different team. I had full participation. And um, more importantly, you know, the decisions that we made were, you know, we stuck with them. I didn't get the two hours or two days later email. And I think everybody was really, it, 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 you know, they were much happier. Just making sure that people have the chance to think about it before they come to the meeting improves the quality of the input that they give. Do you have any other suggestions for how to deal with some of these more frustrating, annoying people, regardless of the cause? Yes. um, I I think 
I mean, I think the starting point is that annoying people are inevitable and not to take it personally. Nine nine out of ten times it's not about you. And and don't try to be a mind reader. If you don't um, understand their behavior... Uh, be curious in a non-judgmental way instead of making up stories in your head. Um, for instance, uh, have you ever, um, are you familiar with um, Byron Katie's work? Uh, no. The work? She asked these four questions, which are, which are brilliant. You know, she asked first, is it true? Um, right. If no, uh, well, then say, how do you react? What happens? Let me just take you through, the, uh, through it. Is it true? Can you absolutely know it's true? How do you react? What happens when you believe that thought? And fourth, what would you be without the thought? So taking, take for example, you know, we make up so many stories around things. Like, for instance, my, my husband uh, forgot my birthday, you know, therefore he doesn't love me. Um, and, uh, or you can rephrase that, wow, someone who loves me forgot my birthday. I hope he's okay. Um, so the things, the stories you make up and you're, mo- you're trying to mind read about what's happening, just ask yourself, is this true? Can you absolutely know it's true? You know, how do you react when you have that thought, thinking my husband doesn't love me because he f- forgot my birthday, and what would I be without that thought? Well, maybe I'll go on to think about a more positive way of reframing that. Okay. That's Very one good. Of, that's one way of um, dealing with it. Um, I also find that we often get annoyed with people because they may have a quality that we unconsciously dislike about ourselves. Um, so, and this is an ironic one, and I'm going to make a big admission here, and, I, and I'm not going to... Um, and I think hopefully my husband's not listening to this call, but my greatest quality is not being on time. And, and, and then when I make a huge effort to be on time and somebody else is not on time, I get really annoyed. And I really need to sort myself out first. It's turning that back on, it, back on yourself, you know. Is this quality that is annoying you, you know, is, is that something unconsciously you dislike about yourself? Okay. I can imagine lots of ways in which that plays out. So I like to be in control of the details, and here you are asking me about all the details, and actually I think I'm over-controlling, and so it's just frustrating to me that you're being over-controlling. I can see that playing out in lots of different ways. Absolutely. Okay? All right. So we have so far three different pieces of advice about dealing with people who are annoying. One has to do with understanding the style differences and the need differences or want differences, put it in a different language, and just trying to find simple ways of accommodating like that, like giving the agenda the day before so people who like to have time to think can actually think. Two is not trying to – or to – be curious and to be non-judgmental so that you try to understand um, what is really going on rather than just leaping to that decision that it means something about me that it may not mean. And you have a great set of questions to ask for that one. And then the third is to recognize the thing that's annoying us. What does it say about us? Is it really something we dislike about ourselves? Is there a, a fourth one? Oh, um, I, have, I have quite a few. One of the ones when I'm really annoyed with somebody, um, I, I, I 
I try to think about, well, what do other people admire about this person? What does this person do well? And that really reframes my interaction. Some people, when they are about to go into a meeting with somebody that, that really annoys them, they um, they get inside their own head and reframe it as a child that they love that is that is just having a bad day or has missed their nap. And they go into this, instead of tightening up their nerves and going in with a frowning face, um, you know, being aware of reframing, you know, well, you know, what if this person's, you know, is this, is this somebody I need to reframe to pity or to give extra understanding or love to or do, um, you know, what is admirable about this person? So running these things through your head about this person, what does this person do well? We often fixate uh, and freeze people into time. Um, you know, they may have annoyed us at one time, and then all of a sudden all we notice is, is these annoying things. It's our reticular activating system. It's our, our brain super filter. Once they annoyed us, we, we see that annoying thing all the time. And so shifting this focus to, well, what do they do well? What do other people admire about them? What's important about this person? You know, when was the last time I demonstrated positive regard for this person? So, okay. so thawing our impressions of certain people and trying to look at them um, in a fresh way. Okay. Susan, fabulous tips. We're going to take a break. So we have been talking about things that give energy and obviously things that zap energy. So the sources of energy, our mind energy, our thoughts, um, input energy, what we put into our body, movement energy like exercise, what we do with our facial expressions, um, mind energy, the thoughts that we put in our head. I think I said that one already. Pause energy, that time to be still and reflect and think or be spiritual connection energy, the way we choose to relate to people, and space energy, the environment around us. And specifically, we've just been focusing this last one on this notion of connection energy, people that we connect with in ways that are less than ideal, not putting any blame on either side on that one, and that it drains their energy and some strategies for dealing with it. So we'll take a break. When we come back, we'll talk about other sources of energy and other tactics for dealing with it. With me today is Susan Treadgold from Treadgold Executive Development. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. How is your work-life balance? In most businesses, no matter where you are positioned, there is always room for improvement. If you're an executive, learn insight about your business. Are you an employee? Learn how to better work with your team. Even if you're not in business, you can learn where your strengths and weaknesses can be played to their best potential. The Work-Life Balance with host Rick Morris can be heard live every Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. If you want more information on the coaching and seminars we offer, go to our website at www.leadershipforuminc.com. If you are interested in finding out more, you can also purchase a copy of the forthcoming book or any of Dr. Wallace's current books by clicking on the links under the resources tab on our website at www.leadershipforuminc.com. You're also sure to find some handy links, videos, and more to help you create a winning strategy for your organization. Leadership Forum, Inc., helping organizations get it and keep it. What does a visual workplace mean to you? How does it contribute to operational excellence? And what steps do you take to put it powerfully in place? 
Listen to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense to find out. Each week, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, shares tools and strategies to help you make the workplace speak at a glance without saying a word. Learn to work safer, faster, better, and at far less cost no matter what business you're in. Tune in to The Visual Workplace every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. You are listening to Out of the Comfort Zone. To reach Dr. Wanda Wallace or her guest, call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to wanda.wallace at leadershipforuminc.com. Now, back to Out of the Comfort Zone. Welcome back. With me today is Susan Treadgold. Susan is a holistic executive coach based in London. She's passionate about creating sustainable peak performance by helping people increase their energy, improve their executive presence, and ultimately improve productivity. She does a lot of one-to-one coaching. She runs a best year ever program. She does talks and de-stress workshops for a variety of companies. And before doing all of this coaching, she was uh, held senior institutional equity roles at a variety of investment banks. So, Susan, we have just been talking about the sources of energy, and one of those in particular, too, that we just focused on was the notion of input energy, which means the power of sleep and the importance of sleep for everything, motor skills, decision skills, immune system, reaction time, everything you can imagine. We were also talking about connection energy, the ways we choose to interact and recognizing that one of the biggest energy zappers at work has to do with people that annoy you. And often annoying people are not because they're trying to be annoying, it's just because they have a different preference for interaction. So you gave us four great tips on ways to think about um, interacting with somebody who is annoying, including your last one, which is find something you admire about that person or find what it is they might need understanding about at that moment. It changes the frame you think about them in. All right, so at this point, I want to turn and talk about mind energy. So remind us what it is and give us an example for how this works. So those are the thoughts you think, the images you visualize, and how you choose to organize yourself. Um, I think successful people... um, they are very good at um, thinking positively. I don't know if you've ever seen Sean Acker's um, TED Talk, that the brain performs cognitively better when it is positive, more energetic, 31% more productivity. Dopamine floods your system, which turns on the learning centers in the brain. So um, positivity is very key uh, for mind energy. How and How you think about things and visualize things. Um, The average person has about 50,000 thoughts per day. 70 to 80% of those are negative, and the National Science Foundation says that 95% are habitual. So that's a whole lot of worrying, critical, self-sabotaging nonsense. Um, Our thoughts create our feelings, and our feelings create our experience of life. So we should choose them wisely. Negative thoughts. Um, I don't know if you've ever um, seen somebody do a muscle test. 
but I, I do this often with clients, and to, to, to demonstrate how negative thinking physically weakens them. And um, I'll have them hold their arm out and think about something that really made them sad, and I'll ask them to resist, and, you know, I can push down with no resistance. And then, you know, I clear their energy and ask them about, uh, you know, what they, had, what they had for breakfast. And then I have them put their arm up again, and I ask them to, you know, visualize and think about something that they're really proud of, a great success in their life, something that really made them happy. And then I try to push their, um, their arm down, and the difference is night and day, which, you know, both they and I can feel. Um, so thinking positive thoughts, um, actually strengthen you physically. You can even see this in a workout. If, you, if you're trying to do two or three more push-ups and you're saying, I'm so tired, I'm so tired, I'm so tired, you can't do it. If you, you think strong, energetic, awake, strong, energetic, awake, strong, you know, you can. Um, the other, um, the other uh, thing related to this, um, have you ever heard of Muhammad Ali in the future history? Uh, yeah. Go ahead. Explain it to us, though. Yeah. Um, he really knew the power of visualization. So it's it's not just the thoughts you think, positive or negative. It's also visualizing. There was a study done at Harvard, and they gave two people, uh, two groups of people, a medium level of, uh, task to complete. And uh, the first group had to visualize it before they did it, and the second group... Um, just had to do it straight away once it was explained. And the group that visualized it first performed significantly better. And Muhammad Ali uh, was very well known for predicting, I think he predicted something like 18 out of 21 of his championship fights correctly down to the round in the punch. And he called it future history. And what he did was visualize in technicolor detail exactly how his fight was going to go, starting from in the dressing room, what music he was listening to, what dressing gown he was wearing, to walking out into the you know the crowd, seeing the crowd roar, who he was looking at, giving his uh, death stare, shouting "I'm the" to his opponent, you know, get, you know, shouting "I'm the greatest," getting you know, feeling the the spring of the um, the boxing ring as he jumped in, which punch he was going to throw first. And um, that was really, he was really the forefather of sports psychology in that way. And that same thing can be applied to any game-changing event, be it a presentation that you're about to do, um, a, a, a tricky appraisal you're about to have. Uh, visualizing the outcome that you want will will activate your reticular activating system, which is your your brain super filter, and how it and that sorts by what is most important, and it knows what is most important by what you think about and focus on the most, and so it will, for instance, you know. Uh, have you ever bought a new? Uh, decided you're going to buy a new car, and um, let's say it was a red mini, and you research and decide you're going to get one, and all of a sudden everywhere you go you see red minis. Well, that's your reticular activating system showing you what's important, trying to be helpful. So Muhammad Ali is 
and, and people that visualize what they want, if they're very clear on what they want, their reticular, their retina activating system will start showing them resources and things to help. Um, I uh, once had a flood in my home and I got a call on a, on a Thursday night saying that the insurance adjuster had approved the claim and that the, uh, that they were going, that I needed to have everything moved out by Monday morning, and I thought, oh my gosh, I need boxes, all shapes and sizes, packing stuff. I need it. I need some place that's open 24 hours a day to get this by the weekend. And as I was driving to work the next day, I was at my first stoplight, you know, not 500 meters from my home, and I see a billboard, uh, box, a, uh, you know, safe storage boxes. Hanging wardrobe boxes, packing tape, you know, every, all your needs, open 24 hours a day, seven days for your convenience. And, you know, after I asked them, you know, have you, are you new to the area? No, ma'am, we've been here for 10, 10 years. Um, oh, but that billboard is new. No, ma'am, it's been there for three years ago, you know, for three years. So we distort and delete. And when you focus clearly on what you want, you will start seeing those things that will help you which is why it's also so positive to be um, so important to be positive. I love that. Um, I certainly know executives before a big talk who will go into the room where they're presenting. They'll stand at the podium or on the stage where they're presenting, and they will imagine the audience walking in, the audience sitting down. They'll imagine themselves giving the talk. They'll imagine what it's going to feel like. They'll imagine the questions and it is part of their prep for getting ready to do that important talk. So I know people do this. With not all of us, but I know the people who do this. So you said mind energy is about the thoughts that we think, the images that we visualize, and how we organize ourselves. What do you mean by how we organize ourselves? Um, how we organize ourselves can have a big impact on our energy. So um, let's just give the example of... Um, well, successful people work in automaticity as best they can. And uh, let me give you some examples of that. Like making things, particularly things that don't interest you as, or that you dread or you don't, aren't naturally drawn to, to, to find a way of making them automatic. Um, and University College of London shows that it takes 66 days on average to automaticity. That's when a new habit or behavior becomes more uncomfortable not to do it um, than to do it. And I'll give you an example. Um, I was on a panel with Lady Barbara Judge the other day, and she was saying that she only ever wears black suits and white blouses. And I said, well, why is that? And she said, uh, first of all, I want people to notice um, what I'm saying, not what I'm wearing. And second of all, related to the energy, she said, I'm far too busy to spend time worrying about what to wear, uh, to wear every day. So she has an entire wardrobe of, you know, black suits and different white blouses. And so that's something, worrying about what to wear, that de-energizes her. So she has found a way of making that automatic that she wakes up in the morning and then she has more energy to do things that she enjoys doing as opposed to wasting them on something that de-energizes her. 
I love that. There have been a bunch of books recently about habit. One of my favorite ones is called Habit and basically practices for how do you create new habits. Um, And the same idea there is that the more habits you have, the less time and attention and brain power it uses because it's automated. Very good. Okay, so Susan... The next question, you said, I love this quote, that there, the estimates are that we have 50,000 thoughts a day, 70% of those are negative, and 90% of those are habitual. How do we get rid of those negative thoughts, or what do we do with them? How do we change that pattern? Um, that, well, first of all, I, I think it's, it's becoming aware of them. Um, I was watching, uh, I watched a Dove commercial the other day, and they had these uh, two actresses um, write down, every time that they had a thought about their appearance, they had to write it down, what it was in a journal. And then these two women, these two actresses, met up in a public cafe, and they had to say to each other what they had written down in their journal. And it was, they would say, well, wow, um, you know, a lot of your gray hairs are showing today. Wow, you know, you look particularly fat today. Um, or, you know, and they would say all of these things, and these are things that you would never say to someone else. So why would you say them to yourself? It's bringing that awareness. And a lot of people don't understand that they have another little voice, um, and I used to, many years ago, I had a job I hated, and every morning the alarm would go, and I became aware that I was saying, um, I'm, I'm so tired, I hate my job, you know, my, my boss is so unfair, my colleagues are so rude, and, and I, would, I would repeat this every morning, not even, you know, hitting the snooze button three or four times. And once I learned this, um, learned this pattern was, you know, exhausting me and creating all this negative energy in my life, I I simply shouted it out, really. I got out of bed, and and I would choose a different thought. I would say, I wide awake, and I love my job. And those are affirmations, in a way. Um, It's stating, whether it's true or not, it's a belief that I want to have. And every time that that negative self-talk would come in again, I would just say, I'm wide awake and I love my job. And uh, so a negativity detox is something great. So that long-suffering colleague that sat next to me, we decided to do um, a negativity detox uh, challenge. And we had to put a coin in a jar every time we complained about something, blamed somebody, or whinged, or gossiped. And my, that first couple of days, it was like ding, 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 ding. And uh, by the end of the week, um, we had slowly started getting the hang of it. And then, you know, we said, well, shall we do it again? And what I noticed is after a couple of weeks, I noticed actually, you know, my boss wasn't so unfair. Most of my clients were polite for for the most part. You know, my colleagues were fine. And uh, things started to change. Uh, blaming and complaining are contagious, and, and so is positivity. And this continued on. And, you know, after a couple of months, my client rankings started rising again. You know, and a few months later, lo and behold, I got a massive promotion to a, a job I preferred 
merely by by auditing those thoughts. Love that story. Barbara Fredrickson's research is one that I often cite, and she, or so do others, have this three positive things exercise, which is every day just notice three concrete, specific, positive things that happen in the course of the day instead of all the negative stuff. Write it down and tell somebody about it. That, too, is another way of changing your mood. I like your negative detox with the coin jar every time you think a negative thought, complain, gossip, whinge, or blame somebody. I think that's fabulous. I love right, the one g- that you said. Um, a, su- a success journal is brilliant like that. Even if it's, you can just, like you said, keep that su- success journal. You can look back at it to to give yourself an energy boost, um, and it's a great way of, of, of raising your presence and sharing your successes. Particularly women find it very difficult to share what they're doing well, and so writing those things down and even at the end of the week saying, okay, well, who needs to know about this? Yeah. That's an easy one, and we forget about it. I will confess that every time somebody sends me a lovely complimentary note or an email on something that I have done that they found particularly valuable, I stuff it in a file so I can go back and read it when it's a bad day. It's incredibly helpful just to refocus your time and energy. All right, we're going to take another break. With me today is Susan Treadgold. Susan is a London-based holistic executive coach that really helps people think about how to increase their energy, improve their executive presence, and their productivity. Activity. The thing we've been talking about in this segment is really mind energy, the thoughts that you think, the images that you visualize, and the way you organize yourself. And the kind of things that stand out for me are, one, being aware of the negative thoughts as they're coming in so you can replace them with something else. Two is the power of visualizing, particularly visualizing success. And three is this notion of automating things that drain energy from you so you spend less time and focus on it. So when we come back, I want to talk about move energy and executive presence. We'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. If you want more information on the coaching and seminars we offer, go to our website at www.leadershipforuminc.com. If you are interested in finding out more, you can also purchase a copy of the forthcoming book or any of Dr. Wallace's current books by clicking on the links under the resources tab on our website at www.leadershipforuminc.com. You're also sure to find some handy links, videos, and more to help you create a winning strategy for your organization. Leadership Forum, Inc., helping organizations get it and keep it. Your entrepreneurial vision has taken hold. Your business is growing. It's everything you hoped for. Or is it? With growth comes bigger headaches, more hiring, more capital, more customers to satisfy, more employees to manage, more plates to juggle, and more demands on your time. Get off that merry-go-round now. Tune in to The Business Edge with Marsha Zeidel. You'll meet street-smart entrepreneurs and business leaders sharing their success stories as well as practical solutions to the unique challenges faced by growing companies. Heard every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel. Tune in to The Soul of Enterprise, Business in the Knowledge Economy, with co-hosts Ron Baker and Ed Klass. Ron and Ed will show you how to recognize that wealth is created by intellectual capital. It's all in the possibilities that we can create and that are created for us. 
These possibilities are destined to be discovered by human imagination and through the service of others, creating a brighter future for all of us. The Soul of Enterprise is heard live every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Business Channel, and simulcast at the same time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Out of the Comfort Zone. To reach Dr. Wanda Wallace or her guest, call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to wanda.wallace at leadershipforuminc.com. Now, back to Out of the Comfort Zone. Welcome back. With me today is Susan Treadgold. Susan is a London-based holistic executive coach who is passionate about creating sustainable peak performance by helping people increase their energy and their presence. We've been talking about the sources of energy and the things that drain energy and, importantly, how to get focused on um, rebuilding or boosting energy rather than just living with drain. So a whole host of things that we've talked about, including connection energy, input energy, mind energy, and I want to move now to move energy, particularly because that has an impact on presence. So Susan, tell us how this works. Well, move energy, you know, that's the shapes that we give our body. Uh, that can be in terms of exercise. It can be the smiles. And then it can be our body language. Body language is very important with executive presence. Um, having a, a good posture sends out confident alpha signals. If you look about, if you look in the um, in the animal kingdom, the the largest um, uh, animals, the alpha animals, they take up space, and taking up space also. Um, send signals to yourself uh, to make that make you in turn feel more confident. So it gives people the impression that you're more confident. So you know, broad shoulders, standing up, standing up straight, um, you know, owning your space versus someone who has scooted away from the meeting table, are hunched over, um, taking notes on their lap, um, which is uh, you know. Uh, it's you know the fight or flight that is that is flight that is moving away and it'll also make you feel less confident great i love that good posture you know i look at so many young girls particularly i'm well older too but a lot of younger girls and younger guys who work so hard care so much about their looks and their posture is awful and it just would make an enormous difference in how we react to them if they would just Use good posture. So I know exactly what you mean. And you know um, Amy Cuddy's research around the power of power poses? Yes, absolutely. That sounds like a very similar thing in that you are taking up more space and you're using a really strong posture and that also has you come across as more confident. Yes. Um, her research, I, I know some of it's been called into question now in terms of the exact um, 
the exact hormonal impacts, but she her her initial research showed uh, a big spike in testosterone, which is related to test um, confidence and energy when you used expansive body language, and uh, and cortisol, the stress hormone, would go down, and vice versa for the for the small contracted uh, body language, the slumping, the looking down. If you think about it. That's what we do when we cry. You know, smiling and looking up sends, you know, different signals to our brain. It's the mind, you know, the mind-body connection. Okay. Now, go ahead. I was going to say, and the other big epidemic right now is is really sitting. Sitting is the new smoking. And exercise is so key to to peak performance and and even to learning, uh, regular uh, exercise, thirty minutes of aerobic exercise increases the production of brain-derived neurotrophic factor (BDNF) for short, which promotes the growth of neurons in the memory region of the brain and leads to faster learning. So sitting at your desk trying to get something done or trying to read through something, you would be better off going out moving and that that way so by extra in even exercising, you know, for a half an hour increases that B D and F production threefold. Wow, threefold. A half an yeah. hour of exercise. Well, yeah. that'll get me to the gym if nothing else. Okay, and, and, and it's that, avoiding also that you know they even saw benefits for small periods of movement. You know, avoiding that all or nothing attitude to exercise. What I used to do um, when I was in investment banking, I never knew my schedule, and I found it very difficult to squeeze things in. So, I would set an MTO, which is a minimum target, outrageous. And this got me through the sort of procrastination. I would think, well, at least I can, at least I can go down and walk ten minutes on the treadmill. That will be, if nothing else, that'll be better than sitting at my desk. And then what I what I found is I get down. I said my target would be, you know, a twenty five minute workout. And you know, the outrageous the O would be, you know, an hour workout with weights and cardio and everything. And what I find is, that, you know, I would go down there only expecting to do the minimum, a 10-minute walk on the, you know, the treadmill. And I would, you know, look at my BlackBerry back then and and see that the world had not ended without my presence for 10 minutes. And, you know, I'd end up going for another 10 minutes. And, you know, more often than not, I, w- I would get to my target or outrageous by, by just uh, not you know, not having that all-or-nothing attitude by just agreeing to do the minimum because half the challenge is just getting started. I love that one. Just to start with the 10 minutes and see where it goes. And we also know that when you exercise, you start to miss it when you don't do it. It's kind of like that sleep. Once you realize what it's like when you have good sleep, you realize how badly you've been performing without it. Absolutely. any other advice that you have on improving presence? So we've talked about the movement energy. We've talked about, you know, the expansiveness. We've talked about the good body posture. One last tip on improving presence. If we were talking about the the, the move energy, I would say learning how to um, make points with your palms up or facing each other. Um, I mean, make points with, I mean, excuse me, with your palms down or facing each other. 
um, if you turn off the volume and say, you know, and, and see somebody making a gestures with their palms upwards, it looks like they are asking for approval. Um, and palms down, you can see that they're telling you something. Even if you imagine that teacher, you know, with their with their chin down and their their you know, their palms down and their fingers saying, listen to you, listen to me, young lady. Um, you, don't want it, you don't want it to be that stark, but compare um, saying, you know, I feel this is the best strategy with your palms up versus putting the palms down and putting it on the table and say, this is the best strategy. It makes a world of difference visually, and I'm sorry you can't hear that over the radio, um, but concentrating on uh, on making not the, not having the palms up when you're wanting to make a serious point that can be welcoming or seeking approval. Okay, I love that one. I hadn't thought about that one. I know that what my favorite posture for people sitting at the table is to sit upright, sit square on the table, and be a bit expansive, which is put your arms out on the armrest and your hands down a bit on the edges of the armrest. And what that does is it gives you all of the things that you've just talked about in one simple, straightforward movement. Yeah. So I'm both expansive, I've got falls down, and it's, yeah, it gives me... Yeah, I, so, so nervous people have their their arms clenched to their sides. So if you have your arms on those armrests, like you said, or even on the, you know, a bit on the table, you, you, you have your, your wings out and, and, and you're more expansive and it'll make you feel more confident. Fabulous. Well, with me today is Susan Treadgold. I must say that Susan has a new forthcoming book called Success University for Women in Business, and it's coming out in November, so stay tuned for that. Susan is a London-based holistic executive coach. As you can tell, she's really quite passionate about helping people reach peak sustainable performance and productivity and improving their energy. She runs a program called The Best Year Ever. I love that title. She does talks. She does de-stress workshops and works for a number of corporations as well as runs things privately and independently. And I haven't mentioned she also writes a blog called Take Action Tuesday Tips if you're looking for more insights on exactly these kind of ideas. As I take away from today, there are four things I'm really focused on. One is I want to get rid of the energy zappers, which means I have to find ways of rebuilding my energy. Number one, sleep more. (laughs) Number two, change what I expect or think about or see in other people and let them be who they are. I find the good in them in spite of how annoying I might find them at times. Three is my mind controlling the thoughts, being more positive, more visualization and more habitualization. And the last one is fourth. Susan, I think you've inspired me to figure out a way of getting more exercise in and certainly improving the posture along the way. So thank you for being a guest. Pleasure. Thank you. All right. And next week, we have another executive joining us to talk about her experiences in leading, and it's Ilya Magoras. So join us then. Thank you again for joining us for Out of the Comfort Zone. Tune in again for another edition with Dr. Wanda Wallace next Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Take charge this week.
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.